0: So nice to see everybody. There's uh, some people I haven't seen before, and it's nice. There's a little ones here as well in relaxing. I hope you're having a good time. You can lie down. No worries. I don't mind. I I remember from my my own childhood. I uh, having grown up in Finland. We our churches are really. Um, Hard, sort of harsh places, and um, I really did not enjoy being there with the in the church with, with grandma used to take us some sometimes. And so, hopefully, there's a bit more soft here. So, if the kids want to relax and even run around, I'm fine. That's that's a better way to keep them coming. If and um, I remember we had this priest when I was young, uh, he there's a, this weird concept in. Uh, in in that part of Christianity, I think I'm not sure he, whether he make it up. I I think it's part of it. I haven't studied it too much, but there there's this concept of the um, original sin, and the sin is it's passed down on the generation. So in, on the fourth generation, you get your even the Lord the children are sinners. Not us. We don't believe it. Don't worry, Lord. Children are in here. We're all right. Uh, ch- Lord, children are good, very nice. But for us, I remember we, the, uh, he was really um, uh, fire and brimstone, this, the, the priest. And uh, he was on, he's got this high pulpit there. And, uh, and he was preaching there like, you're all sinners. Even the little children are sinners. And I remember sitting right there. <laughs> so I was like looking at it like, what have I done? It's like, it's not my fault. I was like, of like five. Like, why, why do I have to suffer? But terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't definitely don't want to do that as a priest, as a monk. Terrible. And um but anyways, so fire talking of fire and brimstone, I'm gonna give a sutta today about fire. It's a bit of a fire and brimstone. Why am I giving the talk to- uh the talk about fire? Well, many reasons. Um the Vasa has ended, the rains retreat has ended. Uh, during the rains retreat, we always have few sutras we do uh, chant in the monasteries very commonly. We have um, the, um, one of the suttas is Adita Sutta, meaning fire, everything is on fire. The other one is turning the wheel, because the, these are the first suttas Buddha gave after the after he was... After his enlightenment, or oh, at least they were recorded. These were the first recorded. Uh, there was long distance between the suttas. There were months. We don't really exactly know, but sounds like it's there's a distance. So I'm sure he had other conversations, but m- and maybe these were the ones who were like really canonized, worth a recording. The Buddha said he he put them in perhaps more formalized way. So we have, uh, for example, so we have the turning of the wheel. Um, and then is uh Anatalakana Sutta. Some of, if you want to hear about this um, discourse on non-self, I gave last year after the rains retreat. That was the first talk. No, during the uh, during the rains retreat actually, last rains retreat I gave one talk, and that was on the discourse on non-self. And today I thought, well, uh, that's a, I haven't really studied this sutta, so it's a perfect uh, time for me to think about it a little bit and since we chanted. And also last night I got a message that uh, Monastery might be in fire. There's a bushfire right in, in Serpentine. It started just really nearby. Uh, they had to evacuate yesterday. I, I'm not sure whether they did. And unfortunately they have Katina, the, the rope offering ceremony today in the retreat center in Janagrove, Grove. And... They're not sure they can do it now because of the they say evacuation order. It's right on the border of where the China Grove uh, retreat center is. So, boy, there's fire everywhere. And also, um, I've been struggling with my own health. And one of the things I have, my own health, which is a bit embarrassing, my bum is on fire. So there's fire in, in my body. It's uh, quite unpleasant sometimes. The, during the last part of the, uh, the rains retreat, I really had to just uh, spend a, ton, a lot of meditation time just lying down on my bed. And it's sort of, you just feel a bit lazy, but that's the, how I had to do. But let's go, I, I look into it, a little bit of the uh, fire and brimstone. What, what do the Buddha say about um, fire? So what is burning? Um, what is burning? So, this is considered the third sutta, what um, what the Buddha was teaching. And what happened after his enlightenment, after he woke up, he went to look for people to teach. He, one, his two of these first teachers had passed away. He couldn't go and teach them. So, he went to uh, and uh, continued. And then he was first teaching the turning of the wheel. He finds uh, some other ascetics and he um who was who was practicing with him. so first he thought turning of the wheel, the, what the basics of Buddhism. then he thought the anatalakana, um, uh, there is no self. And then later on he started wandering off and he he went to the uh, place called um, Gaia's head. and Gaia is actually, I don't remember now how far it is, but it's a few. There is a walking distance when he was teaching the first two sutras, and they were he met a lot of fire worshippers, and he Buddha thought, well, there's a lot of these people. They were ascetics. There were ascetics everywhere in the uh, time of the Buddha in India, and the Buddha Buddha thought that there's a thought came to his mind. I'm sure there is a there's a possibility I that these people can understand my teaching if I teach in this way there were fire worshipers so he thought about talked about fire so it, a lot of these talks they're very tailored to certain type of people the certain way of understanding so at the time the uh, Buddha was staying near the Gaia and a Gaia's head and together together with thousand mendicants so these mendicants don't meet uh, the Ajan Suchado translation mendicants. The, the word is biku. Um, Bhikkhu in that time, it means anybody who was ascetic, who was wandering, who was uh, living off arms. Like I, as monks and nuns, we get you to offer food. We're living off the arms. We are called mendicants. That's, a, that's what the mendicant means. So he went to see the um, for the, all these uh, monks, and he said... Mendicants, all is burning and what is all that is burning what is the all that is burning the eye is burning sides are burning eye consciousness is burning eye contact is burning the baneful pleasant and neutral feeling that rises conditioned by eye contact is also burning so it's interesting so the buddha we have this external Internal and external contacts. You have to have in Buddhism. This ties up with the uh, idea of anatta, non-self. In order for you to see something, we start here with the eye. You have to have an external contact. You, there's something has to be outside of there, and then the eye faculty, the eye, um, the the Eye faculty have to be intact. You have to be able to see. The, and from that, when those two meet, you have eye consciousness. So the consciousness is vijnana, In Buddhism, and this ties in with the idea of non-self, in Buddhism we cannot have idea of soul. There is no nothing, something which is outside of these contacts. And whatever... We always call it, um, what do we say in Buddhism, whatever uh, the consciousness is dependent on, that's what the consciousness is called. So here we start with the I-consciousness, Chakkuvinyana. And so if it depends on the I, that's what holds it together. And there's a simile, it's like a reeds what when they they used to make roofs out of reeds these days we use roof sheets tin and unfortunately I'm talking about roof sheets and we're doing our retreat center now in in Newbury and boy we we're struggling to get up construct contractors to do roof sheets just two days of work I don't know what's taking them so long I think something is burning there there um so at the time of the Buddha, they made the, <clears throat> they made, used to make roofs just out of reeds. So you put one reed, and the other one is supported. The two reeds are supported by each other. If you take one reed outside of the other side of the ro- uh, other side of the roof, the other one falls down as well, right? So it's they depend on each other, and the same way with this consciousnesses. There's six of them. Whatever. It supports their consciousness, that's what it's called. So here we started with I consciousness. So that's what that's where your consciousness is. There's is nothing outside of that. There's no some kind of magical consciousness, soul arising somewhere. Consciousness has to be supported by something. Consciousness by itself is nothing. You cannot you cannot really. If there's no object, we're um, going a little bit around around here, but let's say, let's say there is no object. You, you're in this void, in space, when there is no light hitting anything. What do you see? Your eye faculty, your eyes are intact. They do work. But if there's nothing, the light doesn't hit anything. There's all the... Um, and what do you see? you don't see anything. Or if your eye faculty, if your eyes don't work, but there is all these things, what do you see? You don't see anything because your eye faculty is not intact. But when those things come together and there is conscious conscious effort, when there's a conscious engagement into it, I put it this way, there's a lot of things we see in this, in this hall, and I'm not going to go all the five senses this deeply, but with the eye, we started with the eye, uh, eye faculty. When there's, there's a lot of things we see everywhere all the time, but we don't consciously engage with them. Only when we see something and there's a conscious engagement, we are making it into something, it comes to be. And we know it's just biology that we actually just see a little dot, uh, dot from my eyes. There is, and the rest, the image is just processed in the back of your head in the in the brain, and it makes a big, cohesive big picture. Like my grandma had a um, stroke. That was a long time ago, and I remember she had a stroke, and back uh, on the where the the eye faculties process in your brain and she got this called we call it tunnel vision I don't know when, in the English term, but basically she would only see the through the what the eye would see. the brain didn't process it correctly anymore. so she would just see this little dot in front of her and she had to scan with her eyes if she like I remember um, I was 16 at the time and went to see my grandma she would have to take my my head between her hands she would hold my head like this so i wouldn't move and she would have to scan my my face just up and down up you know sideways and then so she could understand who i was because of the brain we all the time scanning that's how eyes are doing all the time scanning but we don't actually see we only see this little dot in front of it rest of it's just image processing it's just made up things long story short anyways so that's why you have to have a conscious engagement into the seeing and then I consciousness comes to be and it's same with all the other senses with the five senses um, in the body whether it's hearing or touching or tasting any of these five senses in your body, you can only have one consciousness at the time. There's only one, you only exist in that one moment in that one consciousness. And I I sometimes when I teach the little ones and the, when the school groups comes to come to monastery or I teach here and I said, you know, you, you are where you pay attention to, that's how you exist it's wherever you pay attention mine is super fast the buddha said mine is the fastest thing he can see Uh, but so it makes up this continuous movie so to speak like in olden days we had the cellophane film and they were like you could see when you take the film you can see every little um uh every one of the what do you call it frame Every one of the frame is separated, But if you play in a certain playback with a certain speed, it becomes a movie. It becomes, it's, you know, uh, it's turning so fast that we don't see it once you play it in a uh, s- certain frame rate. But you can actually take it and say there's one frame there. So once your mind starts slowing down, you could see the individual frames, but you have to have a very um, sharp mindfulness in order to do that but you can only have one consciousness at a time. You cannot see and hear at the same time. You cannot hear and process that information at the same time. But the mind is so quick, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. It goes seeing, hearing, understanding, making decisions, all that. So that even the um, mind, uh, the, the sixth sense, is made out of different things. There is things like volition, will, or choices being made there. There is perceptions. All of those things are made up in your mind, but you don't see them, but they are individual things. It's very hard to tease them apart. It's almost impossible, and they almost overlap each other. We, um, for example, we have things, um, let's say, your will and your perception. They are almost coloring each other. They are going in each other's, um, each other's field. Your 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 choices are get colored by your perception, how you perceive the world. So they're very very close, and I cannot really say that they are exactly teasable apart. But that's how you, uh, that's how they work, more or less. Boy, I'm going really into the Anatalakana Sutta. I'm supposed to be talking about the Adita Sutta. Anyway, so, I is burning. I... Um, sa- okay, so I is burning. The sides are burning, whatever you see. The I consciousness is burning. Okay, let's go back to the Sutta. I talked about a lot about how these things work with the non-self. Burning with what? burning with fires of greed, hatred and delusion, burning with rebirth, old age, death with sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness and distress, fire and brimstone. Yes, Buddhism is the same thing. Somebody's phone is gone. Never mind. Um, so, with the, we talk about it all the time. With raga, dosa, moha, those are the uh, three thing, things what we are just sort of uh, aiming to get out of it, uh, to get out in Buddhism. The, in order to quell these things, your uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. We do these practices like loving-kindness and um, meditation, giving, whatever it is, we are working around these things. We are working to quell, to extinguish these fires a little bit. It's not like we are putting down, uh, trying to put out spot fires here and there. We don't stomp on things. But the Buddha said loving kindness is something which really can eliminate. Uh, uh, eliminate. Sorry, I'm <laughs> thinking the phone just went off. So I was just, uh, my mind goes there all the time. Loving kindness is the only way you can eliminate hatred. There is no other way. You cannot fight fire with fire. You cannot, by getting angry with anger, it doesn't work that way. Only by kindness you can actually quell it. That's what uh, the Buddha said. And it makes sense, doesn't it? So it's not all fire and brimstone. But So what is it also burning with? So it's the ragadosa moha, the... Greed, hatred, and delusion, burning with rebirth, old age, death, with sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness, and distress. We can see that a lot of these things. Where in our life, when we have when we have a lot of distress, when it's um, sickness, when somebody dies, there's a lot of. Burning coming from that, perhaps it's not not so much, but the it's hard to see why why how would those be uh, burning? But it comes into the idea of the last one of the moha of the delusion. We have this idea that there is a self there. We have a strong sense of identity, and when the body starts turning off, when it's you get sort of the deadline. There's a lot of greed, uh, lamentation there. And that's what the Buddha would call delusion. You think there is self there. It sounds really difficult to be outside of that, that you wouldn't have a lot of sadness when something, somebody dies. But what dies, it's only the body dies. What continues... Then we're getting into difficult things, uh, but we say that your karma, your habits, your conditioning continues, or the, uh, the the effort you have done. Only that remains. Again, it's we go into difficult territory, and that's why people struggle with this idea of non-self. What does if there is no self? What gets reborn? What continues after death? You're going to. Into that gets into the difficult territory. I'm not going to go there. But only what only continues is the kamma, and you cannot be separated from that. Even the next lifetime, whatever you've done in this lifetime, it affects you. It's almost like a law of nature. If you if you do something good. You will get the effects. You feel better about yourself. Even though there is no self there, you cannot really think outside of that until you are further on the path. So, for example, the, the sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness, and distress, but the old age and death, those are you are just sorrow, of lament, lamenting. The burning comes because of the delusion. Greed and hate, we can see that that's quite easy in day to day life to see. It's burning. It keeps you alive, keeps you. The hatred definitely, it really feels like um, fire. But greed, if you think about greed in the sense of uh, wanting to have something which doesn't belong to you, It's it's the opposite of and uh, it's the opposite of with the greed is mudita if I remember correctly mudita being rejoicing that somebody else has something rejoicing on other people's happiness is the opposite of that kind of greed that quells it that eliminates that. You just feel others happy that others are doing well as well. And then you don't feel the greed. So then we continue on the the other. The Buddha says, the ear, nose, tongue, and the body are burning. The mind is burning. Thoughts are burning. Mind consciousness is burning. Mind contact is burning. The painful, pleasant, or neutral feeling that arise, arises conditioned by mind contact is also burning. Burning with what? Burning with the fires of greed, hatred, and delusion. Burning with rebirth, old age, death with sorrow, lamentation, pain, sadness, and distress, I say. So here we went into the sixth sense. And uh, mind, what we call here is, sometimes mind, we have synonyms in, in Pali, here we talk about mano, but you could say citta, or you could, uh, no, you cannot say really uh, vinyana in this sense, because vinyana is the, what is it called when it's supported by something. Mano itself, you could, uh, it's almost like the, the big thing, what we could, you're very close to saying here soul, but we don't want to use that word, so we just say mind, mano and they're very uh, i think it's very related with the into from pali to english um, so they are burning seeing this a learned noble disciple grows disillusioned with the eye sights eye consciousness and eye contact and they grow disillusioned with the painful pleasant or neutral feeling that arises conditioned by eye contact here it's an interesting thing we um uh, we the word here we use um is nibbindati and it's related to nibbana Nibindati. it's almost like you're putting out the fire it's you uh dissolution sutato is um translated here you turn away your yeah dissolution is it, yeah, it's a it's a good way of looking at it. You don't hold it so dearly. You don't think it's yours. You don't think there is something inherently valuable there. A lot of these things we, we teach, perhaps this kind of teaching is quite high fluting things. But if we don't teach this, if we just say it's enough to meditate, if we just render Buddhism as a stress reduction, we losing the baby with the bathwater. We cannot start taking out everything out of it, and you th- we think, I'll be just fine. It will be, it's Buddhism as anything. We cannot just render Buddhism into psychology. We need to teach these things as well. Once in a while you need to hear, perhaps it's not just happy thing ha- things happening in Buddhism, but once in a while, when you, when you listen to these things, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's, I can see it in my own life. And then you can do something about it. You can see that the burning, I'm suffering, that really comes down into the dukkha, into the suffering. There's a lot of suffering there. How can I turn away from the suffering? How can I make this better? And this is, again, ties into the Eightfold Path. We are working to quell these sufferings. Where did I go? Okay, so and they grow disillusion with the painful. They go it's they grow disillusioned with the painful, pleasant, or neutral feeling that arises from the condition by eye contacting eye contact. Uh, so they, quite often what happens, so we have in Buddhism we have three kinds of feelings feelings don't mean in buddhism in this in this case they don't mean like oh i feel good or i feel bad in buddhism we only have three kinds of feelings we have pleasant feelings we have unpleasant feelings or suffering and do we have neutral feelings with the pleasant feelings when something when you see something which you like keeping with the eye con- eye contact with the eye the um the eye consciousness when you see something, you want to hold on to it. That is this looks beautiful. I want to hold on to it. This sounds nice, I want to hold on to it. When there's something pleasant happening in your mind, your mind 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 contact, mind, what did he call it mind mind consciousness thoughts. Mind consciousness, yeah, he did say. Thoughts, mind is burning, thoughts are burning, mind consciousness is burning. When you have something, something you want to hold to, uh, uh, for dearly, that is pleasant feeling. If you don't something, uh, you, you, and you hold it. If you don't like something, something in your mind, you have suffering in your mind, depression, however you want to describe it, you don't like it, you push it away. This is not me, this doesn't belong to me, you want to push it away. This pushing and pulling, it's its what they say, it's end by when somebody's an Arahant. When the, somebody's fully enlightened, they don't push or pull anything anymore. They don't hold into anything anymore, which is, it's interesting, it's said many places. but So quite often, and that's where the suffering comes from, holding on into these feelings, pushing and pulling. You wanna hold into the beautiful things and you wanna push away the things which are not nice in life. But when you are more and more at ease, whatever happens, whether it's your internal mind, the mind world, the world of your own, own self or the world outside of us. When you don't when you don't you're not in the fight with it, you're more and more at ease with it. You don't have you have less and less suffering. The delusion, then you don't hold on to anything. The dukkha sukha are the neutral feelings, or the yeah, the neutral feeling. It's a difficult one to see. It's neutral feeling. Sometimes it's almost like you don't pay attention, but it must be some kind of attention because otherwise it doesn't exist. It's a it's a difficult one to explain. Uh, okay, so. You grow disillusioned to it, nibindati um, you turn away from that you don't pay attention to that you don't it's not so interesting to you anymore you perhaps when you meditate longer, you don't go to the shopping mall five times a week, maybe you only go once a week you grow disillusioned into these kind of beauty things in life it's you don't, you don't see the value into it. You don't go partying all the time. You're, the sense restraint comes. You take your five precepts, you stop drinking alcohol because you realize that the happiness didn't really lie there. You, the sense restraint and your sila actually go hand in hand. Quite often we don't talk about this too much with the lay people. As monks we get drummed into our head all the time. Sense restraint, sense restraint all the time for obvious reasons, but even for if for you, if you wanna continue further in the path, make your meditation is not happening yet. What's holding your meditation? Most likely is your sense restraint. And that goes into uh, perhaps into enjoying too much of the outside world. You haven't really relinquished it. You haven't nibindati um, quell the fire to a certain degree once in a while remove yourself from that a little bit, don't just keep distracting yourself and then it, it can go from really coarse things like watching uh, certain things online uh, and just like you say no, I'm not going to watch the uh, these things are really going to b- bring a lot of burning into my mind, really stop that and then it goes uh, further and further in the finer and finer detail way just like like i'm comfortable with the clothes i have i don't need to go shopping more i have enough clothes and then you you more and more perhaps you become at ease whatever you have and it goes into also into the things like your mind you are more and more at ease with your mind you are not so repelling. You don't push away the un, unpleasant feelings or hold on to, the dear, to your dear life, to the pleasant feeling arises. When somebody is a passing away, why do we uh, lament? Why do we have so much sorrow in our mind? Because we hold so dearly into that idea that there is a person there. I'm, they cannot die because they are my dear one. But if you are just at ease with it, and perfect example I remember uh, was Ajahn Brahm when his mom died. I remember I was in the monastery and he got the phone call in the morning. His brother sent him, like, mom has died. And I looked at Ajahn Brahm very carefully. There was no different difference into everyday life of him that, like, nothing changed. He was just normal. There was no sorrow in his mind and it doesn't mean we don't care about something we just hold them into more with more with equanimity we have loving kindness towards everybody and it's not different from our loved ones our families we are just we just come together we come and go in this lifetime we came together it's not so much there is certain kind of karma there but it's almost you just have to more and more start thinking we're just coming together with these almost strangers in this path, we spend some time together and then we separate again we have to separate in some point, we hold each other dearly in a sense that we don't harm anybody and quite often I think the, more, the most people we harm are the ones which are close to us we don't, we don't appreciate them enough So, put more effort into that, and then when they have to go, you let them go. Whether it's your children have to go and study, or somebody dies, or something happens, you don't hold on to that idea so strongly. But it also goes into the idea of your own body. When your own body starts getting sick, don't fight it. You do the best of your ability to take care of it, go and see the doctor, but Kindness, acceptance is the best way. If you really fight against it, it and it's hard, I understand. It's hard. I uh, towards the end of the v- vassa, I said I was getting a bit sickly, and one of the things I was just, I really got into this idea that I'm lazy. I'm sleeping too much. As a monk,s we should be dedicated into wakefulness, whatever some it means. Not, it doesn't mean we just we don't sleep, but wakefulness, being mindful, all that thing. And I, I made up a story in my mind, I'm lazy. I'm no good, nobody should even support me. I don't even know why. Anybody's feeding me in the monastery. And why am I so tired all the time? I made up a story. I punished myself. It must be me, I'm just being lazy. And then I went to, um, there was a doctor, there's a beautiful uh, Sri Lanka doctor comes to monastery and she said, uh, go and do a blood test. I went to the blood test, she got the blood test. And she said, uh, she got the results, so I went to see her, and she said, your iron levels are really low. Like, really, really low. And, and she said, no wonder you feel tired. Uh, but I made up a story that it's me, that I'm lazy, right? But it's just a physical, it's a, it's a biological thing in my body that iron levels were low, of course I'm tired. When she when she told me that you know did you notice that your did you look at the results I said no I don't read them and so she 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 said that look that's that's what happened in your body it was just a relief to me I've been punishing myself for nothing I should have known better right I've been now this is my twelfth year as a twelfth and year as a monk and I was like I should know better but did I no I got into this Walling on my bed. I was like, why? Why? I was like, ah, depressed, a lot of burning, a lot of. But once in a while, we need to stop believing into those stories we make up. Once in a while, we need to meditate, just say, no, I don't take that story. Stay away from that for a second, and life is a lot easier. We believe too much the stories we make up. We make up stories and our minds are very good matching our life in, with those stories. We're very good at doing that. There's not ultimate reality there. Even though you think, this is my life, it must be real. This is what happened and then because of this I'm like this. But do you really know that? Do you really know that because of your, your childhood this thing happened and because of that, I'm behaving this way. Maybe it is just something biological. We make up stories, and we believe those strongly. We hold dearly our stories of our lives. This is me. This is who I am. But none of it's yours. There is no ultimately you there. Don't believe too much of those movies. And how do you move away from that is with kindness, with holding them holding them more, more and more lightly. not pushing them away, not trying to analyze and intellectualize and you, you think you can get away from them. I've, I've been reading this uh, uh, scientist. His name is uh, Robert, Robert Sapolsky he's a behavioral scientist and he I like him because he really uh, hones into the fact that there is no free will there is no and he's brilliant explaining it and he said even as a as a scientist who believes that who completely believes that there is no free will he said even though i cannot live as if that's the reality but as a buddhist as a meditator we need to slowly, slowly move towards that. Perhaps you don't have it yet, but at least we are practicing towards letting go when it matters the most. Whether it's somebody else dying, and Ajahn Sattar is not doing the death um, death and something in the Twitter. Discord, rather. and. Um, When does it matter most? When somebody else is dying, but also when you are dying. When you are dying, the more you practice before, the more you are able to let go at that moment. It is undeniable It's that that is the last test we have to face. And if we don't practice until then... By being at ease, whatever happens, holding these ideas dearly, it's going to be a lot of struggle. So even if you don't, yesterday I was talking about, we had the meditation day, and one of the ideas, I, I started with the sutta of, the, um, it's like an axe handle. There's a simile in that sutta. Every day you're wearing out the axe handle, if this is being mindful, being kind, being, being able to let go, be more like at ease. It's like an axe handle. Something is wearing away when you're using that axe. Every day, it's an, like an, uh, somebody who has to use that. They used to make timber, cut the timber, and then they, you'd have to shape it with that. You don't know how much the handle is wearing off every day. Only by looking back, you realize, I'm not suffering so much. That is the wearing away. Not, and that's the wearing away of self. You don't really know what happened today. You don't know even yesterday. All day I have beautiful people here meditating with me. How much wore away? Well, some, hopefully. But you know, it's hard to see what has worn away. But something has worn away. Something that strong sense of holding on has worn away slowly, slowly. There's a little bit of imprint a thumb imprint in that handle and the more you keep at it more you add kindness more you have generosity eh, all these things the more and more your life becomes easy so nibbindati delusioned they grow disillusioned with the painful pleasant or neutral feeling that arises conditioned eye contact, conditioning everything is conditioned in life there's nothing beyond in me, in everywhere in this universe which is beyond conditioning don't think there is you which is separate from conditioning, you are just your conditioning so you grow disillusioned Nibindadi being disillusioned desire fades away when desire fades away, they're freed. When they're freed, they know they're freed. Um, they understood, understand. Rebirth is ended. The spiritual journey has been completed. What had to be done has been done. There is no returning to any state of existence. This is what the Buddha said. Satisfied the, the mendicants approved what the Buddha said. And while the discourse was being spoken, the minds of a thousand mendicants were freed from defilements by not grasping. Um, I tell you what, yesterday I, I was standing around in the street corner, and I said, is this uh, Nirvana? I was just there, a couple of streets away, that's the Nirvana Avenue. And I, I do I never will say this in my lifetime, but I was it was I had to laugh because I was standing around, I was because like, I was walking around and I went I like three hour walk after. And I was like I'm walking around and it's like, Oh, is this the Nirvana? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, this Nirvana Avenue. So it was quite nice. I had to laugh while standing there. But so for this these people do you understand? Do you know that there is ending? Yes, you know something has ended. You know there's no more rebirth. You clearly know and see. Sometimes that question comes to you. You know that you have you, you have ended the path. Yes, you know. You clearly know and see. And but slowly, slowly it's wearing away that strong sense of self. You know, you see that burning, you see that suffering and you start turning away, your nibindati, your quell, you don't pay attention to that anymore so much. You don't push and pull things anymore in your life. You are at ease whatever happens in life. So don't get disencouraged. Sometimes you think, it's like, nothing's happening. I've been coming for a long time. I... I've been a monk for a long time, blah, oh, it's terrible, everything. But just remember, if you keep at it, it will wear away, slowly, slowly. And even if you don't think this, like, this makes any really difference here, the last test is that when you're passing away, when you are getting there, how much are you suffering? If the suffering is a little bit less, that continues again. It doesn't have to be completely erased. You, all Your karma, your karma. I was, by the way, I was in Karma yesterday as well. That's the Karma Avenue right next to the Nirvana Avenue. Um, the, any of this karma is never wasted. Nothing is ever wasted. There's beautiful similes in the, in the sutras like Dhammapada. One of my favorite ones is that it's like a pot which is filled drop by drop. You don't know when it's gonna overfli- overflow, so never underestimate kindness. It's like a drop into the bucket; it doesn't go wasted. All of these, all of these things, you just collect them, and your karma is never random. Whatever you put in there, that's what you get back. So keep adding kindness, drop by drop, towards yourself, towards others. Don't push too much. Don't hold on to things. Be more at ease. And eventually, you will know you are freed. You are going to be in Nirvana Avenue. And that's the talk today. Sadhu, sadhu, Very good. So we'll take questions from the Discord and audience and online and any question? Can you put our hands. We will alternate between the uh, audience here and online. Okay. That's true.
1: Ajahn, I, I know it's a particularly difficult topic. Yeah. But you did your best to explain what it is. Right. Um, <laughs> Abhi, the fire. The fire is dukkha. Uh, Buddha said, Panchupadanaskando dukkha. Mm-hmm. That's what the starting point of this discourse, mm-hmm. that is the f- five fire aggregates of arising is suffering. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to describe the five aggregates of arising. You st- said from the I, consciousness, and then other other are there are yeah. uh, the faculties out there. So we, through our ignorance, we create a self uh, from these five aggregates of arising. That is where uh, the problem is. So uh, really speaking, there's nothing. Uh, now, when I see you, perhaps one day now, with my memory, I recognize you with my fire aggregates of arising. Mm. Then I exist and you exist. Mm. Until that time there's nothing. So that is what Buddha trying to say. Mm-hmm. So when the fire aggregates are arising. And you create things. Duality, duality exists. There's, there's nothing. Yeah,
0: duality. And it's interesting. Some of the, the Buddhist um, different times, like Mahayana Buddhism, they talk about a lot about dualism. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about so much in Theravada. No, but no. dualism is a separation. Separation. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's no separation. There's everything is one. The oneness. There's no nothing exists. Mm. <laughs> so that is. It's a. Because we are born with this idea of self, it's very hard to comprehend this. But Buddha keeps on saying that what you call self is these five aggregates of operation, of five aggregates of arising. Yeah, Uh, that's that that is as you said. We have to keep on practicing. We have to know what that what it is. That's called sakkaditi. I know that is uh, that's how you develop. Yeah uh,
0: and that's why why do we talk about so much suffering if mm-hmm. we don't see it as suffering then you would never want mm-hmm. it to give it up but because you see the um, hatred mm-hmm. for example it's very easy to see a suffering mm-hmm. you're like well I don't want to hold on to this mm-hmm. it's dangerous yeah. you see the mm-hmm. suffering that's why they go in yeah. hand in hand yeah uh,
1: the, the, you said about the come the yeah, volitional activities only relate to come uh, the volitional activities yeah. by activity uh, mind yeah. action or thought. That is what that uh, creates conditions and results. Uh, when we get, uh, cling on to these activities as self, you, you pay a price, the, you suffer these condition, yeah. conditions. Yeah, so,
0: okay, I, before you go further, it's exactly right. Why does somebody who is even stream mentor mm-hmm. don't suffer with that anymore? Why don't they create new comma?
1: Because they don't hang on to these volitional activities as self.
0: Yes. Yeah, there is the, the the idea of self has disappeared. Exactly, and it's just and where does it come from? You see your previous lives. That is the first hatching of the egg. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. actually see, mm. oh, I was that I was this same thing before, mm. and it's that mm. that is the seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, you said
1: about the neutral, neutral, neutral feeling. Yeah. Neutral is where there is no conceptual proliferation in the point of contact. Right. Which, uh, that's called papanya. Neutralities, mm-hmm. you don't have a, a conceptual proliferation on the base of me, mine, and myself. That's a neutral neutral contact. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a liking, dislike, or neutral. You, know, you said about neutral. What
0: yeah, that? I know. Yeah, okay, sure, okay.
1: Yeah, so that i was trying to. Exp- I mean, neutral is that. I mean, we sure.
0: I'm. I'm sure you understand yeah. it better than yeah. I do. But I have good, hard time understanding yeah. neutral feeling because it has yeah. to be active. You have to have it. Uh, it's the same way. Like it's like happiness or or, or painful. It's uh, You actually have to the conscious effort of seeing. It has to be there. Otherwise, it don't exist. Mm-hmm. If something is just sort of it doesn't exist well i mean sort of if a feeling it's i from the best way i can understand it is Mm. you can't really pinpoint whether it's suffering or happiness it's somewhere between so it it goes you have to have like a middle way Mm. that's the best way Mm. i can see it so uh, all everything, and remember, feelings are not feelings. When I'm feeling happy or good, you know, bad or no mm. feeling is everything is contact. Whether it's your sensory mm. contact or in your mind contact, if you th- you always have to categorize. It's almost like it's always happiness. But once in a while, it's sort of like I cannot pinpoint which one it is.
1: Yeah, uh, that is explained in the Honeyball Sutta. This uh, um, this okay. uh, uh, Sutta yep. that, that explains that. So I mean, this Adinava Aswada and Nisarana. I mean, that, that explains very clearly in the Sutta. I thought I'd just put my okay, two good, cents Okay, <laughs>
0: good. Thank you, sure. And you're, you're teaching here as well, so you, you are very good at these things. We do online and then it's going to be more
2: Sure. I'll just invite the uh, Discord audience, if you want to, have, uh, want to ask a question, um, can you are welcome now to unmute yourself and ask a question. It's good to see you all here. Thank you for joining.
3: Very quiet. sure uh hello adjun hi can you hear me well yep uh thank you so much for the talk it's a very interesting topic um uh, i had a few questions come up during during the time talk about maybe i should ask so i'm i'm not sure where where this will go but uh i guess the most recent one when the uh there was a talk about duality i, I thought that there's um these uh Planes of uh, vinyana, planes of consciousness mentioned, where there's unity rather than um, diversity, not not duality of of um, bodies and not like diversity of perception. Sanya, I think the word in Pali is, but there is unified sanya, unified uh, perception. To me, it sounds like it's a non-dual perception. Could you could you share how how would that be a plane of uh, Consciousness, just just generally, to go into the topic of, of consciousness. Does, okay. Is this an important element? Uh, I wouldn't think it's it's it's
0: like part and parcel what happens in the path. It's these unified consciousnesses are more into the deeper end of the meditation. The you really you just have one perception and. and we're getting into this kind of like ideas of there is no really self there anymore and you can you just perceive one one type of perception for long periods of time you we are they important um it's almost like somebody describes you um something what it is it's not we we're thriving towards that it's what happens? And when it has happened, you can read it from the book and you said, well, this is what happened to me. It's, there is no point of, um, you cannot really make yourself, that, make that thing to come to being. It's just when it happens, you know it has happened. You know I did not have the duality. I, it was just one sanya there is no i think i think the 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 best thing you can say you can say about that is just when the self has disappeared to a very very high degree you you don't have that and that because that's where the duality really comes from. but honestly theravada buddhism we don't talk about it that much in it's a big thing in mahayana buddhism and it really comes from a lot about the hindu mythology with the with a lot about dualism and for it happens but it's more like what happens on the path and it's it's it so it does exist but whether it's important i don't know i'm not sure i explained it correctly and whether you actually that's what you're asking but i i I haven't honestly i haven't looked into it too much because it doesn't exist that many places yeah. But that's a good something thank, thank I you. need to study. Mm. Very good. You're welcome.
3: <laughs> thank you.
0: Anybody else? No? No? Yes? Yes.
2: We have a question from the YouTube audience. Okay, good. <laughs> Ajahn, thank you. Just get up to the top. Uh, I I used to move a lot in my meditation sessions until I realized that by stopping scratching my itches my body became more still but even now my body is far more still than before. My mind feels some discomfort and restlessness. How can I keep making progress in my meditation and still my mind?
0: whatever uplifts the mind and usually it, it, it is kindness is generosity all those things so you you need to put more effort into it never underestimate uh kindness never underestimate it it's very important also you need to start looking into it ajahn brahm co- told me once it's you have to start seeing where the peace leaks out you know once you just sort of like Well, where does the I'm restless? Look into it. That you, you, it's almost like a room, and it's not insulated in one point. You will lose the heat through the perhaps the the windows, which are not well insulated. You need to look into it. Where is my peace leaking out? What's the reason? You know what the reason is. Whether you really look into your own practice quite often it is sense restraint, sense restrainment quite often it is that your your sila your morality your kindness is not at bar yet you only go as far as your your sila really allows you your morality so be honest with yourself this is probably what's causing me not to uh, to have restless mind and then move away from that law by law. See that as uh, this is causing me restlessness. See that as suffering. Move towards happiness. So that's the best way I can think of. So think about like, okay, where is your peace this, leaking out? The What's the piece? place of your peace is leaking this out?
1: Use the issue
0: that you used to work. So, um, yep, so that's it. Easy.
2: Are there more questions in the hall?
0: Yeah.
4: Thank you, Arjan, for a, a tantalizingly interesting talk. Um kindness, yes. We talk so really in a sense, is kindness a just a reconditioning? Um
0: what else could... so, yeah, what, what in your mind, what do you think?
4: I think something more than that.
0: Okay, so what is it?
4: Very good question. Um, um,
0: is it just reconditioning? I think, I mean, look, it's... Uh, is it reconditioning? It's sort of like we are... we... It's almost like it's uh Uh, like the base basic what we want to be and there is less suffering but we don't know how to be there it's almost like the clear skies where we know it's there but it's surrounded by clouds the mind is so to speak clear we just have to access it there is no we have to be careful with these things but there you know there is no mind there luminous mind but there is um, we have words like luminous mind, yes, so there, w- there is that kind of, like, the, your defilements are clouding the the sun. Mm. And we know kindness actually feels really nice, you know, towards ourselves and uh, starting from ourselves and being at ease. It's actually a nice place, but we, we are clouded by de- defilements. So is it reconditioning? Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah.
4: Or does it clear the skies quite a lot, <laughs> the cloud from the sky?
0: Do, yeah. Uh, what to say that it's not reconditioned? The thing is, we are conditioned from, every, uh, of, from everything. Everything is just conditioning. There's nothing outside of conditioning. So you, you're... We react a certain way, but it's from our conditioning how we react. There's nothing... Outside of that,
4: so we know that kindness gives us a warm feeling. We know that it um, helps with our clarity and peace of mind. So we therefore use it for want of a better word, kindness. Yeah, Um, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, just flow with the you know you, just flow whatever the conditions happen to be at the and just don't hold on too dearly into the idea of. This is me, this is who I am. And because more and more you try to pray and watch yourself, this is just my conditioning. This is like don't believe into it. you're just creating your own suffering more and more. You're uh, crying in your own mind and you think it's your husband's fault, but it's actually a lot of to do with your your conditioning or I mean sure it could be your you know, husband sometimes. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Ajahn, we just have one maybe quick question online, That it might be the last one. Um, sure. Dear Ajahn, can we define the not pulling and not pushing time as a sunyata state? Uh, uh,
0: yes, because that means that there's no self. Sunyata is just a synonym for non-self. Yes, we can describe it that way if you want to call it that way. But you don't think it's like a state of zero, a state of non-existent state of, that there's nothing there. No, that's it doesn't mean that. Sunyata is just a synonym for uh, mostly used for anatta for non-self. To describe that there is no pushing and pulling. Yes, there's no self, then the pushing and pulling fades away as well. So yes, you can use that word. That's it. OK. I hope I see you all at lunchtime. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Please pay our respect and be join next to for our lunch.